Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to episode number 29 of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. We're recording this episode on Thursday night with the City versus Spurs game getting close to the end. And currently, I think it's still 3-2 for City, last time we checked. So it's a pretty intense game. Uh, at the same time, this also means that double game week 20 is coming to its end. And Sir Top and I thought it would be best to wait with recording this episode until now. So it will make the content most relevant for everyone as we prepare for the next game week, which is game week 21, with a deadline coming up quite soon again on Saturday. So yeah, while preparing for this episode and before the City game kicked off, I was looking at the points scored and I was thinking that Grass FC probably won the game week versus Analytics FC, as we can, if we can call it like that. And the reason why I was thinking that is because when we looked at the data before the start of the game week, I can understand why people were positive about Man City and about triple captaining Haaland, as of course City had a double game week. But for the grass people, like me, <laughs> we've seen that City wasn't in their usual form in recent games and were facing two difficult opponents with Man United and Spurs. Now, I still went for three City players, but I wasn't confident enough to use my triple captain chip. And after the first game against United, it looked like I made the right decision and us grass managers were right. But after tonight's game, I'm, yeah, I just don't know actually what to think anymore. <laughs> City were 2-0 down, so it still looked like, you know, City weren't doing that well. But then, of course, they came back and Haaland scored a goal. So I guess the triple captainers are quite pleased with that. I don't know. How do you look at it, Sir Top? Well, just wait a second. You're saying yeah, right. managers won? Like, what? <laughs> that's that's a ridiculous claim, just off the bat. Because, okay. I mean, I think City was about to get a penalty. If Haaland scored that, Haaland was going to get lots of points. I mean, I didn't triple captain Haaland, but the claim that Grass FC won against Analytics FC, you guys are just cherry-picking instances and then saying that, oh, okay, we won. No, that's not how it works, but anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is a good start to do the episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at him getting all fired up. <laughs> I didn't triple captain him, okay? So oh, I you didn't? Okay, I, don't yeah, I didn't know that. Actually, I thought you did. No, 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 I didn't. Okay. All right. Well, you know, nobody won. Let's call it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, actually, this this also related to a discussion we were having on Twitter with a few people. Um, and, and Sir Top, you and I have talked about it before as well. And, and is it fair to say that, you know, it's this kind of, let's say, the, the early or let's say the short-term observations, uh, is that the part that can give us grass managers an advantage over the data managers? But at the same time, you know, yeah, the quick wins can also be, of course, be quite short-lived as we're experiencing tonight, you know, I thought City weren't doing too well, but then, yeah, we see tonight that suddenly things can change and Haaland scores another goal. So for the longer term, we should just keep the faith in the data. Is that kind of the conclusion you think? 
Yeah, in the Twitter discussion, uh, there was a reply saying that if you see, you know, three heads on a coin, when you are tossing a coin, suppose like three heads came consecutively, mm-hmm. people suddenly think that, okay, it will be head next time too. There's a pattern to it. You know, sometimes yeah. things are random. But regarding yeah. whether grass managers or eye test managers have an advantage or not, yes and no. Um it's true that in some cases data update will be really slow and it yeah. will be slow to un- update underlyings and projections. But at the same time, if you do it, if you ap- update them too quickly, then the overall accuracy will go down. So we we have seen this in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So if you always update a team's prediction, you know, significantly when they lost two games consecutively, let's say, in overall, you will get a worse prediction accuracy. So in football yeah. predictions, we are most interested in getting the best overall accuracy for all teams. And unfortunately, in FPL, our focus is on usually a few players. We are not really interested in you know how teams are doing, but specifically yeah. how the players are doing. Sometimes, for example, your defender can miss a clean sheet, but suddenly you get a goal from that defender. I mean... You have the points, like even though your yeah. prediction was not entirely accurate. But yeah, people are often very quick to judge that the data is lagging. Um, we had the same conversation about Bernardo last season. Uh, people remember it pretty well when they can catch a performance increase when the data cannot. Yeah. I mean, we rarely mentioned about the weird and nonsense punts we had where the player didn't get any points. But anyway, um, well, the thing is people usually want one aspect to rule them all. Like either data is useless or data is the ultimate truth. The reality is between the two, uh, as we have been saying earlier. Data is an amazing resource for decision support. But I mean, yeah, lots of time and research is going into these kind of predictions. So... Mm. I have faith in the data, but doesn't mean that the data is the alt- like the only source that you can use. And also, yeah. one thing about the eye test, I think the problem is, I mean, most data or analytics-minded managers have an issue because there is no objectivity when it comes to eye test. Maybe your eye test is much better yeah. than the next person, and then you can you know, come up with different conclusions. So it's kind of hard to judge, you know, how good the eye test is in general. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, and on this topic, uh, we received a nice quote, which I would like to uh, use here. It came from FPL Don Pedro. And what he said, um, there are two types of data, the hard data, such as can be obtained, from, for example, from Opta, and then the soft data, which is the judgment a human expert can make that cannot yet be captured by machines. And our solvers use, use the hard data, he says, adjusting for soft data is an art. And uh, I don't know how you think about it. I thought he put it quite nicely. I mean, <laughs> it's a beautiful to be. I'm not going to say too much about it, but All right. I don't know. It Like people usually think that like, the data we use is only hard data and then there's nothing else to it. But yeah. I mean, like betting markets, like it, it says that keeping the betting markets out of it, like the betting markets is part of 
the prediction data sources we use. I know that FBR Review is using the prediction, like the betting market odds. So then yeah. in a way, the soft data is part of it because people are trying to, well, win money by betting on whether, you know, Holland will get a goal or not. So it doesn't yeah. make too much sense to leave those details out. It's not like we just check expected goal of Holland in the last games and then we try mm -hmm. to predict if he will score. I mean, there are people who are just paying attention to these kind of like soft data. So, yeah. I mean, I understand that there are, you know, different kind of data here. And I mean, I will tell you that spending some time on developing an expected goal model for the World Cup, I noticed that data doesn't explain everything. Mm. But I think solvers are kind of still using or making use of that soft data because it's part of some yeah. of the predictions we have. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess maybe it's also because we are different uh, type of managers. Mm -hmm. Maybe why I can relate to Don, Don Pedro because... I think about it a bit the same, you know, I look at the data, but at the same time, I still make my own judgment. I think that's probably what he means, where I think you are probably more the manager that just relies for a bigger part of your decisions purely on the data. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that was a nice topic to start with. Uh, yeah, we have a good energy here today in the episode. <laughs> and uh, before we dive into, let's say, the game week 21 considerations, let's have a quick review of how our game week 20 teams have performed as we usually do. So, Sirt up. how is it for you? It's terrible. I'm just checking on the live uh, fplgameweek.com and I have 53 points. Um, looks like City scored another goal, by the way. Yeah, just looking at it. Yeah, Who scored? Is it Mahrez? I think it's Mahrez. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Come on. Well, it's, Thank you, it's nice that Holland is out of the bonus. Um, 53 points. Yeah. My rank fell from, let's see, I think around uh, 670,000 to 1 million now. So I'm back to where I have started like three weeks ago. City failed to get clean sheets. Shaw uh, missed clean sheet the last minute. My main differentials, like Marshall um, and Salah blanked. I mean, Marshall played only one game even. Mistrovic returned only zero points. Just yeah. like every asset I have is having a terrible week. So I, this is a game yeah. week I want to forget already. How was it for you? Yeah, I'm checking it live. I'm now at 87, thanks to Mr. Maris. Uh, so yeah, not too bad. Um, so I, I did make three changes, which is a bit different than what I expected when we were talking last week. Uh, for a big part, it was related to the news that Darwin got injured. So that made me uh, change my mind. I wanted to change Darwin. I went for Kane. And because I went for Kane, I had to save some budget somewhere else. Um, but I also went from Foden to Maras, just because, yeah, I didn't have too much faith anymore in Foden. And it looks like it paid off based, based on today's game. And I changed from Cucurella to Doherty because, yeah, I just wasn't happy with, Dor uh, sorry, with Cucurella because he was getting benched. But then, yeah, Doherty didn't do too much either, unfortunately. 
I also went with Rashford as captain over Haaland, which I hoped it would have paid off more, as I mostly expected United to do well against Palace yesterday. So it was a bit painful seeing United losing the clean sheets who late in the game, also having De Gea in goal. Uh, but okay, yeah, if you win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, overall, I think the team is looking quite okay for the next weeks. But with more doubles and also some blanks coming up, uh, we certainly need to stay flexible for the next game weeks. Um, do you agree to that, sort of? Yes, certainly. Staying flexible is very important. Uh, I'm hoping that most managers won't, though. <laughs> the period of blanks and doubles are great for managers with an analytical mindset. Uh, yeah. Because lots of people are only checking one or two fixtures ahead, hopefully, and getting themselves yeah. into a tough position, hopefully. Fingers yeah. crossed that most people won't stay flexible and they will ha- they will have less than 11 players when the blanks arrive. Yeah, that's my wish. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, I think it's certainly now, let's say, a more difficult uh, period that uh, is about to start with all the uncertainty. And with that in mind, I can give uh, a shout out, I think, to our colleagues, let's say, of uh, Planet FPL, was it, if I'm not mistaken? They did a really nice uh, podcast about ship strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, when I was listening to it, I was really thinking, wow, man, yeah, you really need to put a lot of thinking into it to to have your strategy made up in time yeah. uh, around uh, using your chips, especially when do you use your your bench boost? Uh, when when are you going to wildcard? Uh, and of course, yeah, that that's where I think the serious managers can get a real advantage over, let's say, the more casual managers. So that's definitely now an interesting period about to start. Okay, um, so as usual, we will look at some of the Twitter questions again. But before we do that, uh, we will take a look first at some of the updated optimized squads. And third up, I'll hand it over to you to uh, mm-hmm. give us the latest information. Yeah, most of the optimal wildcard squads were very similar to the uh, weeks before. So I just checked that the team was almost the same. So Instead yeah. of uh, giving optimal teams for you know separate data sources, I will give the optimal team for the mixed data of uh, review Mikael and fantasy football hub models. Yeah. And using raw data, zero point eight five DK base, uh, fixed bench goalkeeper, and one fixed bench player. Optimal yeah. is uh, Ederson in the goal. But <laughs> I will say something like. After seeing City like conceding like two goals in each double game week, and also mm. Ederson missing clean sheets in the earlier weeks, I mean, even if it is optimal by data, mm. Ederson is someone probably I can skip. People, I mean, data managers will get upset that I'm saying this, but I have really low faith in City's ability to keep clean sheets. Anyway. Mm. Well, uh, they are uh, facing some, let's say, easier opponents now, right? With Wolves I next. Mean, I mean, that's true, but yeah. I feel like they will find Still. a way to just punish yeah. me. Well, that's um, true. Uh, and then we have Gabriel, Dunk, and Trippier in defense. We yeah. have Odegaard, Saka, Mitoma, Salah, and Rashford in midfield. 
and yeah. Holland and Kane in forward and in bench we have Ward as the fixed bench goalkeeper, Minks and Martinez are well other bench players and Greenwood is the fixed bench player. Yeah, so Okay. And also I tried removing the DK, so like suppose you are trying to create a team for the long term without giving mm-hmm. any any you know weight to closer vi- uh, game weeks and yeah. the only difference from this team that it drops martinez and brings burn so that you have a double newcastle defense uh, for the yeah. long term yeah that sounds like quite a smart plan i think double newcastle defense but probably we'll talk about it a bit later as well uh for the rest i think yeah all the names you mentioned is, prob- is probably a lot of names that people had in mind already uh, Odegaard again showed what he's capable of this week. Uh, Mitoma, a lot of people are talking about the Brighton midfield, uh, but also now with with March as a good option. Uh, Rossard was sold today to Arsenal, so that makes it again a little bit more secure. Uh, that people or people players like Mitoma and, and March are keeping their spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. The double premium up front with Haaland and Kane is probably also something a lot of people went for already. Mm-hmm. All right, good to see that in the data as well. Uh, thanks, Sir Top. Mm-hmm. So let's move to the Twitter questions. Okay. And first of all, let's start again with a few more general questions about using analytics in fantasy football. Uh, FPL Stan was asking if it would be possible for any prediction model to have a high accuracy, like 95%. So how do you think about that, Sir Dump? Yes, not possible. Like 95% is a really, really high accuracy. And I'm not even talking Mm. about football, but for anything we do, 95% accuracy means you are almost like certain that, uh, you know, something will happen. Um, In the football... I mean, rare events happen all the time. If you are able to develop a model that's 95% accurate, instead of playing FPL, you can actually bet with that <laughs> and then you can earn yeah. lots of money. And the reason is football, like in football, rare events happen all the time. It's a low scoring game. That's the nature of low scoring games uh, in general. Like for play, for games like, basketball where you know the scores are high the variance Mm -hmm. goes down but yeah again in football that's not the case even if we ask question like is it possible for any prediction model to get a better accuracy than we what we already have it boils down to whether you can actually beat the betting market or not because we are able to translate betting market odds to fpl predictions right now so if you can have a higher accuracy, it, it is possible. So it probably doesn't worth the effort for FPL. And well, the models will always get something wrong. And I'm not saying in this in the sense that like models are doing this wrong, but that's mm-hmm. the best prediction you can have. It's something like, oh, okay, Holland will score a goal. That's, you know, that this is like 70%. I mean, if he blanks, I mean, 30% is not a low chance too yeah the accuracy how we measure it it gets a little bit complicated too and at the end of the day our purpose is to uh, bet on stuff that are likely to happen Mm -hmm. and where 
but yeah, it gives you mathematically a better chance of getting it right, but doesn't obviously yeah. guarantee the outcome. No, that's clear. All right. Yeah, and while on this topic, let's take a similar question, which we got from Jorgen. Uh, and he was saying, if you talk about models, mm -hmm. so uh, what do they in general, let's say, under or overestimate in FPL, if you could call it like that? Yeah, it's a tough question to answer, but we were checking, mm -hmm. the, again, the prediction accuracy. It seems like midfield predictions this season are actually very inaccurate and we can notice that the, the majority of this coming from uh the players who are blanking like Salah like where we right. are hoping to get lots of points and same with forwards and for defense and goalkeeper predictions it is better I mean it's not perfect but it's better so hmm. for that reason but only checking data from this season I'm I'm thinking that clean sheets are a little bit easier to estimate than actual goals. I mean, okay. also a clean sheet depends on the team itself, not on a single player. So it's kind of easier. Mm. But right. the goal, I mean, it, I mean, City is scoring like four goals, but then Holland is getting only one. That's kind of like very difficult to estimate. And then yeah. assists, we know that like assists are always difficult to predict in football. Yeah. And then comes bonus. I mean, that's what I think, but maybe bonus is easier to predict uh, for some players, like Trippia always getting three right. points. I mean, <laughs> I will get a tattoo of it eventually. So, yeah, uh, yeah the bonus that's... magnets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We call them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Yeah, and I think there was, a, again, a, a related question from FPL Gato. Um, and he was asking, what do you think FPL solvers are best at or for? And what do you think solvers are worst at or for? Hmm. Um, when I was answering this question on Twitter, I said, like, not exactly the question you asked, but I mean, solvers mm -hmm. work great when the predictions or the events often unfold as we expect them. So if yeah. Liverpool keeps winning, City keeps winning, you know, these kind of like stuff, like uh, like underdogs usually losing and then losing their clean sheet right away. If it happens, then obviously if you are using a solver, then you have a massive advantage. But the, when the rare things happen, like injuries, rotations, like some teams overperforming their underlyings, like Newcastle, then the variance mm -hmm. increases significantly. If you had Newcastle uh, like double defense for a long time, you probably have collected lots of points by now. Yeah. So, and then for solvers or like, I mean, solvers are essentially just using the prediction data. I mean, solvers are good at it. And, but again, if your prediction data is accurate enough, then you will have a nice time. This season, I mean, everything is going weird in my opinion compared to last <laughs> season so yeah. yeah struggling a bit more this season yeah. definitely definitely okay um then a question we received about the best strategy to navigate the uncertainty around the unannounced double and blank game weeks 
Thomas Bronsby was asking if we can measure the value of a transfer in game week 21 compared to game week 22, considering that we'll probably have more information about future game weeks when making our game week 22 decisions. So how do you look at this one, Surdap? Yeah, so the game week 22 deadline and game week 21 deadline, there is 13 days in between, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. it's a long time, and then it's yeah. a long time for anything to well happen. So I will try to keep two free transfer for sure. And normally, mm. the extra free transfer, like carrying the second one, we value it at 1.5 expected value right? Uh, in a normal game week. But since we are kind of expecting to hear about doubles and blank game weeks, it means that you might bring a player who will have a double. So right off the bat, you can win two more points by bringing the player that who will hopefully play 90 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I kind of push that free transfer value towards 2 to 2.5, maybe a little bit more even. But again, if you are already considering to buy someone who is likely to get a double that is not announced yet, but you think they will, I mean, it's kind of not very clear but yeah i will i will assume that the free transfer is valued at 2 ev at least hmm. okay all right thank you and mm-hmm. then yeah also again about navigating that uncertainty uh another question from jorgen so thanks jorgen for your questions uh, this week uh, he was asking if the models prefer optimizing for the short term or look more ahead, let's say for the next five to six game weeks. And yeah, he was using Brighton as a good example now, right? Because they look pretty good for the next couple of game weeks. But at the same time, we know that they probably will have a blank in game week 25. So how is the model factoring that in? Yeah. So when I'm using Solver, I use long-term planning. Yes. Because And, and then you can apply a DK to the long-term EV. Um, right. So that you are less sure about the distant game week's points. So I usually use 0.85 as my DK base. And mm-hmm. sometimes if you want to plan a little bit longer, um, then 0.95 is also a good value, especially useful for like when you're planning a, a wildcard team. Because you don't want a team who will be terrible after let's say you know four or five game weeks like at this point it is more of an art than science like which dk base you will use and how are you gonna penalize those game weeks that we are not so certain i mean using a dk is just an easy solution that we are using right now Um, like ideally you need to use uh, two different data or two or more different um, data where you assume a fixture will happen or it won't so that you can use like stochastic optimization to see that what's the best option I have right now, which will give me the best average result, whether there is a double game week or not, or there's a blank game week or not. But that is just too much trouble. Like in general, Yeah. yeah, just... Um, penalize future game weeks, like distant game weeks, and then solve for the, you know, as long as, like, as the biggest horizon as you can. 
one yeah. three game week is too short. Yeah. You should be solving at least four or more game weeks and ideally eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. Great answer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that covered a little bit the questions, let's say in general about analytics. Uh, I will move now to a few more, let's say, specific questions around the players we should consider, especially now for the upcoming uh, game week. Uh, and for the defense, yeah, we mentioned Newcastle already, and I'm also myself getting more and more convinced that doubling up on Newcastle is probably the right thing to do, maybe even essential. And I'm regretting that I went for Doherty. I should have gone for, for Botman or Byrne or Cher. Uh, but then again, you know, they had the penalty, right, in the Fulham game, which yeah. Mitrovic so strangely missed. <laughs> so, yeah, they kept a clean sheet, but again, uh, they almost lost it, right? But yeah, yeah that, that's that's football. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, anyway, back to Newcastle. They have some really great options. I mentioned Byrne, I mentioned Botman, who are the cheapest at 4.5, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, sort up. Would you agree that um, we should focus on the Newcastle options or other others we should consider? Yeah, you're right. That there are not too many options around. Models love Newcastle and Brighton defenders. I mean, besides okay. the usual suspects like, um, yeah. you know, Alexander Arnold's name comes up often as usual. Really? Still? Yeah, <laughs> still. <laughs> Arsenal defenders as usual too. Yeah. And besides, well, Newcastle, I also see Dunk and Doherty as the two other okay. players that might worth looking at. Um, yeah. I also see Manchester United defenders uh, time to time among the you know best uh, yeah. players in terms of EV. But you're yeah. right. I mean, I'm kind of considering to buy a Newcastle defender. To I mean, I already have Botman, but I might bring yeah. Trippier this game week. There are not too I think many. You're options. the only manager in the game without Trippier or something. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. That might change soon. Yes. <laughs> they will have a party when I do it. FPL Towers will throw me a party. Yeah, yeah. We, we can welcome you to the party then. <laughs> the, the Trippier party. But no, I think you're right. Uh, there are those kind of fixed options, and that's also, of course, why we see a lot of teams with with uh, similar defense. Mm-hmm. Makes it, of course, unfortunately, a little bit boring. But okay, that's that's how it is. Uh, it's a bit different, probably, in the midfield where we just have so many options now. We talked about it before. Uh, we have the premiums, but you know, looking at it again today, KDB was on the bench, so. More and more, you need to wonder, like, you know, is it really worth to pay the premium price while we have so many other guys performing as well? Uh, Arsenal, of course, some obvious candidates there. Rashford is in great form. Almiron is still there. Uh, the City players, if we can deal with the Pep Roulette, of course, like like Mares today is again showing. Um, but yeah, also players from Brighton or Leeds. So... So many options, and FPL Bruyne was asking who the best midfielders are uh, to consider under the 6.5 million uh, limit. And I was thinking, let's make it 7 million so we can include Odegaard into it. And uh, yeah, sort of, how does it look like in that bracket? Yeah, from the ensemble model, Odegaard is the 
best, and and then comes Martinelli. So I mean, they're the best under seven, obviously, and yeah. the best under six point five is Rodrigo, who have okay. good fixtures coming up. Um, yeah. Brentford and then Nottingham Forest, and there's um, uh, Everton and Southampton, twenty four and twenty five, right. and then comes Mitoma. And then yeah. McAllister, and they are re- really cheap, five and five point four. I mean, they are great value. Um, after that, I see Barnes, but he's six point eight for that price. The projections are actually low. And then comes March, um, but again, the EV difference is small. And so I, I was also checking, you know, who are the best players if you assume, assume equal playtime or let's say 90 minute playtime. Mm-hmm. I also see Grelish in this bracket, but okay. yeah, I mean, assuming you don't have the third city spot filled and then you're considering a kind of a cheap city player, Grelish is also an option. It's an option indeed, yeah. He was starting again today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Rodrigo, I think also he's been doing really well. I saw a few people saying there's maybe some concern now as as Bamford is back. Yeah, um, he's been on the bench so far, but you know he it could be a risk maybe to Rodrigo's minutes. So that could be one thing to be careful with. Um, but otherwise, he's been doing really well so far. Yeah. All right, so yeah, uh, for people to keep in mind, the Arsenal options, we have Rodrigo from Leeds, Mitoma from Brighton, uh, probably as the most obvious candidates. Okay, let's move to the attack. Um, And as I said before, I think many of us are now already on a two premium strategy with Haaland and Kane. Um, And is it something we should stick to you think or is there anyone else who's looking too good to ignore and one name that is coming up also quite a lot in recent days or let's say maybe in recent weeks is the five million forward from Leeds Wilfried Gnonto uh, who has impressed many people in recent games Um, do you see his name already in the data yeah, his name doesn't appear right away if I use the default no. settings, but to be honest, I haven't played with too many settings, but I have seen his name in one of the tables that I was preparing. And okay. just let me go over this. So next for the next six game weeks in each price category, top forwards are like Holland, Kane, Darwin for the premium options. And then okay. for mid-price, we have Mitrovic, Nikita, well, Calvert-Levin, but they're... Mm. Expected values are just a little bit all over the place. And for the budget, we have Adams and Johnson, Mubemo. So these are the players below 6.5. So I don't see his name in this one. But if we assume that 90-minute playtime for everyone, then Gnonto is the fourth best budget forward. Um, okay. And I see his name there, but so it tells me that, well, the models are really not sure about his uh, minutes. It seems quite low when I check the like the raw data I have. Yeah. If he plays, then yeah, he has a good prediction. Yeah, and he scored a great goal this week in the yeah. cup. 
Um, so he's he's looking good. Are you just considering him? Yeah, or... well, I have Marshall in my team, and I think uh, I, I, yeah, I want to move him. It's just you know, it's always an injury risk. Yeah. Uh, and now with Weghorst there, there's also some more uh, competition for the spot. So yeah, we're thinking to maybe save some money and try to invest it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that that's one consideration. But it's good that you also mentioned Adams because I was looking at my options earlier this week and I was actually surprised. I think Adams has been going a little bit under the radar because if you sort by uh, all the forwards in the game, then Adams is now number one, two, three, number seven, oh, which wow. is not too bad. Yeah. I so the top, <laughs> you know, the top attackers in the game, Haaland, number one, Kane, number two, Tony, number three, then Mitrovic. So those are four names Yeah, everyone has talked about already a lot. Jesus, of course, we talked about him a lot at the start of the season. Firmino and then Adams. So he's having a good season. And Southampton also, last game, they did really well. So also uh, Ward Prowse, I think, is a, a name to consider as he's now also playing in a more attacking role. And also from, let's say, the post-match interviews, it sounded like the team uh, has a lot of confidence again. So I think Southampton, even though they're having a bad season, could be something to consider. But again, we have so many options, it's difficult to choose. Um, all right. Well, we covered the attack now. We covered the midfield and the defense before. So I think we can wrap it up for Game Week 21, if you agree. Yeah, sure. It was a great episode. Okay, cool. Thanks, Sertab. And thanks, everyone, for listening to our FPL Optimized podcast. This was episode number 29. Uh, Remember that we can expect more doubles and blanks to be announced pretty soon. So make sure you keep some level of flexibility in your structure and in your transfer plans. Best of luck for the new game week. May your arrows be green. And we'll be back again with another episode next week. You can subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is out. And while you're there, you can also leave a review. We would definitely appreciate it. You can also find us on Twitter, as you probably know by now. For Surtop, it's at Surtop Bilal. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. Good luck, everyone, and talk to you again next week. Bye bye.